0: What we found is that there are three primary reasons why students aren't reading the Bible. It's either they don't have time, they don't know where to start, or they don't know how it applies to their life. Lindsay, you've done research in this area. What's the number one reason why students are not reading the Bible?
1: They say that the number one reason they don't read the Bible is because they don't know where to start, and then the second one is they don't have enough time, and then the third is they don't know how it relates to their life.
0: That's what we're going to talk about today in the Thought Factory are why students aren't reading the Bible and what we can do to the solution to this challenge that we face in youth ministry. I'm Jeff Eckert.
2: I'm Jason Brewer. And this is the Thought Factory. The Thought Factory podcast is brought to you by Never the Same, cultivating students through biblical discipleship and spiritual disciplines using theology, community, and technology. Learn more at neverthesame.org. welcome to the thought factory podcast i am one of your hosts jason brewer we are in studio with my other host jeff eckert along with
1: lindsey corvette
2: welcome everybody to the thought factory podcast if you have not listened to our recent episode it is a first part on the bible this is kind of a second secondary episode on the bible we are continuing the conversation on the topic of the bible and so if you have not listened to that episode we encourage you and welcome you to go and listen to that one. This is the last episode of the season. We are going to take a couple of weeks off because of the Christmas break, but we will be back in the new year, in the year 2020. We are no longer in the 10s after this episode. We are welcoming in the 20s at this point.
0: It's kind of crazy to think about. When I think of the 20s, I think of like the 20s, you know, like right, the nineteen. Like,
2: right. 20s. That's weird. And you, you and I were both born in... The 1900s.
0: We were, I know, way back before the turn of the century. That right. sounds so, weird to say, ancient. too. So here we are, and we are excited you're with us. That last episode was really good and worth listening to, just for the fact that we talk about, as ministries, where where are we at in the landscape of the Bible and ministries? I think there's definitely consensus that I feel across the board and youth ministry in the United States specifically where people want to, leaders, ministries, pastors, they want to have the Bible integrated and more involved. But there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of challenges. There's discouragement because it is an uphill battle. And we talked about that in the last episode. And it's good because we get into some reasons why and how we can overcome that. So it's a, definitely a, a great episode. This has been an awesome season. Jason, I started off the first few episodes solo while you had some time off, but we've had uh, a really great season and talked about some important things, and we're excited to jump into our next season, like you were saying, in the new year. And uh, we are always talking about the research that we're doing with students. We want to offer you a free report that we have. It's, It's very well done visually and graphically as well, to help you comprehend some of the things that students are saying to us in this research where we're asking them directly their thoughts about their beliefs and behaviors on lots of different topics and issues. And so that's available for you for free at neverthesame.org slash trend report. You'll also find at that website video content that you can use in your youth ministry or personally as well that that goes with each topic. There's a, a video segment that relates to each topic that we did research on with students. So once again, that's neverthesame.org slash trend report.
2: I never thought about this, but there are some people out there that geek over Excel spreadsheets. And so we're sending them uh, a very visual, appealing document. But if you want to look at the Excel spreadsheet and you just geek over numbers upon numbers and black and white and just all these boxes... We could do that as well if you're interested. I don't know who is really interested in Excel spreadsheets, but we have all those numbers in Excel spreadsheets. That's what I wanted to make clear to our audience.
0: Okay, we got them. And next summer, there's something really important happening that you need to know about called Claim Your Campus 2020. We've mentioned it here before. It's a, it's an event happening July 4th weekend. It's a national student gathering happening in Kansas on July 4th weekend, it will be outdoors. There's going to be all kinds of bands and special guests there with us, like for King & Country, Zeal Worship with Phil Joel, Hosanna Poetry, uh, lots of other names that you're going to recognize. But this is a once-in-a-lifetime event. There's never been an event like this. I know people say that, but this is really true. This is a a truly unique one, once-in-a-lifetime experience that we are hosting with 50 other ministries to provide a moment for this generation to represent our nation into taking the gospel and prayer into every school, every middle and high school in America. It's There are roughly right around 20 large-scale, what you'd call stadium-size events next summer. What's interesting is that we are the only student-focused event that's happening next summer. And we are in uh, working in conjunction with some of these other events like, for example, you may have heard the, the SEND that's happening in October in Kansas City, ironically, as well. But what we're finding is that there's so much favor that we're getting on this particular event amongst all these other events. We're getting a lot of favor with our event because we are the only student-focused event. So we've got people supporting, encouraging, helping us all over the place in every stage of ministry uh, locally, regionally, nationally. We're grateful for it. It's going to be an amazing event. You can learn more at claimyourcampus2020.com. This is a great time to get signed up for this event. And it's pretty easy. You go there, you register as an adult, you get some students to go with you. They represent their school. And it's a it's a it's actually a really affordable event too for an adult that's $99. That helps uh, cover some of the sponsorship costs for a school to be there and to be represented and resourced. For a student, it's only $49 for this whole weekend. It's a a great event. It is outdoors. There's probably a lot of things you're thinking about with this event. The questions are answered all on our website, claimyourcampus2020.com. Look us up on Facebook as well. We've got a constant stream of information coming out about who's going to be there and what's going to be happening. You can interact with us there and ask questions, but this event truly will be amazing. We don't want you to miss it. We want you to be there. It is July 4th weekend, and what we're saying is, listen, this is a time when our nation, more than ever, has needed a spiritual renewal, a revival. We need prayer and just the focus on God to be central uh, with this generation. And it's our time as adults to let our voice be heard on their behalf as we pray for them and as we unite and and support and rally behind them. They need us. So this is an event where you can make a difference for a school. So learn more at those websites ClaimYourCampus2020.com and our Facebook page.
2: As we think about what we want, what we want to see happen, and the desire of the outcome of the the event, we really are wanting you to be in partnership with us. As an adult, as those who are investing in the lives every single day, every single week in the lives of students, We we want you to be connected with us as well. And my challenge is to those who are leading youth groups, the youth ministries that have the influence of A few adults, 10 adults, three dozen adults around you and say, how can all these adults that are surrounding you be able to, to support and advocate for a school in your community and, and do it as a a group, as a youth ministry and say, we are going to stand up and advocate for our community to see these schools uh, be present at this event because you have that influence in these adults' lives. And. And so I just think even as a former youth pastor in that position to be like, I need 10 to 20 of you to join me to choose a school that is in this community because a community has more than just one for most of them. And who's got this school? Who's got that school? Who's got this school? All right, now go and become an an adult advocate and join us July 4th.
0: So we want to see you there. Now let's talk about the Bible and, and Bible engagement in youth ministry Lindsay, we're so glad you're here. You're part of our staff. You're the director of Bible engagement here at Never the Same. You've been with us for three years, and like I said in our previous episode, across the landscape of youth ministry, I would consider you the foremost um, voice when it comes to students, youth ministries, and the Bible. You've been doing research. It's what you're, you're involved in on a daily basis, and we're grateful that you're lending your voice here to this audience to help us understand what we can do to get the Bible more integrated. We're going to talk about some of the latest research here. Go through this with you and get your response. This is from this summer. This is very, very fresh. These numbers are very current. And so we ask students some different questions about the Bible. The first one we ask is, how often do you read the Bible, and what do we learn from that?
1: ask that question every year because we feel like that's a pretty good gauge for the last couple questions. How many students are actually consistently reading it and, you know, how many aren't? And I don't know if you said this too, but we also ask adults what students think or what adults think students are thinking. So we ask students, hey, what do you think about this? And then we say, adults, if you had to guess, what would your students say? So we said, how often do you read the Bible? And uh, the first two options are every day and four to six times a week. We would say those two would constitute what we call consistently reading the Bible because anything over four times a week is what uh, people say is it's a good Bible reading rhythm that's going to influence their habits and deepen their relationship with God. And so we'd say every day or four to six times a week are are where we'd want students to be. And only 15 percent of students said that they read the Bible on a consistent basis Um, out of 3000. 15 percent said that 48 percent of students said I read the Bible one to three times a week. And that's a, a fairly good, you know, they're reading it. That's a good thing. We'd love them to be in that top category, but at least they're engaging with it um, in some some way. 37% of students said, I don't read the Bible at all. And that's a pretty high number, I'd say. Um, in, any, in any group, whether it was 3,000 or 30 kids, forty close to 40%, 4 out of 10 students saying they don't read it on a consistent basis is something that's a little alarming for me and um, probably alarming for you too.
0: All right, let's put this in the context of of, of what we might be looking at at a, a typical youth group. So if you've got 20 students in your youth group, you're talking about seven or eight students that never, ever crack the Bible open, ever. And that is a really high number. Now, again, there's all kinds of students that we're seeing in our youth ministries, and they're not all necessarily Christ followers. And, the, you know, that's a good thing that we're reaching students, but over time to, to know that we're getting up there close to 40%. I mean, 37%, like you said, that is a pretty high number.
1: And it's high even when you look at the fact that this audience, this sample that we take from, is primarily a youth group audience or a church audience. So students who are exposed to the Bible, who you know understand what the gospel is, and, and still that number is, is pretty high.
0: So then we talked about... Uh, their beliefs about the Bible. We asked them the question, I believe what the Bible teaches is important to my life today. What kind of response did we get there?
1: 90% of students said that they agree or strongly agree, and that's actually right on target with what adults said. Uh, About 85% of adults said that they thought students would value the bible too which is an encouraging number and left on its own we might be able to pat ourselves on the back and walk away like oh cool 90 percent of my kids nine out of ten think i believe the bible is important to my life today but less than two out of ten of these students are reading it on a regular basis if we go back to those stats that we just talked about you know 15 percent of students are reading it on a regular basis so there's there's a obvious disconnect between what students believe and what they're doing to live out that belief or the value. What is? How do we define value? You know, what do they mean that it's important to their lives today? It's a good number until you maybe look at the context surrounding it. It's a good start, but it's not a good place to to leave it.
0: I've heard you talk about that gap, that gap between belief and behavior. So they believe it's important, but when it comes to their actual behavior, maybe not so much. And and you know, when I hear that, one of the things I think about is. How much of that is is coming from us as leaders? So, for example, we're saying in our teachings and and things publicly, privately, hey, the Bible's important. So that message is getting through, but are we getting the message through of here? Okay, here's a plan. Here's how you do it. I think a lot of the gap can be probably laid right at our feet as far as blame. Would you agree with that?
1: I would say so, and I think the you know I believe that the Bible's important. I could mean I believe that it's good to listen to. I believe that what my youth pastor teaches about it is important. I believe what my small group leader says is important, but I don't see the personal value of reading it for myself. You know, I I don't, like you said, there's a disconnect. There's a gap between I value it in my life, but I'm not willing to make it a part of my personal, you know, my personal life. I just like to receive the words from somebody else
2: even as a youth pastor, or a youth leader, to look at that number of 90% of your students are saying it's important. How can we leverage that to show them how it is important and relevant in their life and not just say, hey, read it, it's important, but in what ways is it important? Pick out the aspects of the Bible and, and go, this is how it's going to be relevant and, and important regardless of where you start, what you read. This is important. So take it and, and use it.
0: I think you bring up a, something that that is great for us working with students in our arsenal to try to, to get the Bible more integrated into our students' daily lives and our ministries is what you just said, is you go back to their belief. So you're not trying to say, hey, we, we need to convince you this is important. They're already saying it is. I think that's a, a strong point to be made that we're leveraging an already existing belief in them. Right. Because sometimes convincing people is so overwhelming. We've already got that on our side and that's that's a a big part
2: of it. Yeah, you'd be waving your arms and, and hitting the gong if ninety percent said, I don't think it's important at all. And you're you're just trying to bleed the the rock. You know, you're just like, what am I doing here? But you have ninety percent of your students saying this is important. I agree with this statement. It's like, yeah, then leverage that.
0: So the next two questions were the ones that I was really interested in hearing the response of students. So what's the number one reason you would want to read the Bible? And if you're not reading it, what's the number one reason? So, Lindsay, that first question, what's the number one reason you would want to read the Bible? What are students saying there?
1: Can I give you the lowest number first? Please do. I have a good reason. So the number five reason, because there were five, five options, uh, the number five reason was because someone encourages me to read it. So the least amount of students, only seven, a little over 7% of students said, I read the Bible because someone encourages me to read it. But when we look at what adults were saying for that same answer, we had almost 35% of adults saying the reason why my students read the Bible is because someone's encouraging them. Wow, to
0: read that. that's a big gap. Yes,
1: yeah, like five times as many adults said it than students say it. And what I take away from that, what we take away from that as an organization is that Adults think that a lot of why students are reading the Bible is because they're being told to read it But that's clearly not right because the top reason 30% of students said that reason I read the Bible is because it makes me feel close to God And then their second um, highest reason was I want to gain more knowledge about spiritual things Almost 28% of students said that which shows us at the table and and shows you know people who are looking at our research That students really that are reading it do it for reasons that are outside of you know outside influence they might find a way to read it through small group leaders. They might remember to read it through pastors or small group leaders or parents or a notification on their phone, but they're reading it for reasons beyond, I feel obligated to read it. And that's where that ownership comes in. I think we'll talk a little bit more about that later, but ownership is critical for lasting Bible engagement. And that's really encouraging that students are on the right track.
0: So as adults, again, adults are thinking, well, students are going to read it if they're encouraged to. So that means I just need to encourage and encourage and encourage them. It's not that we shouldn't do that. What you're saying is that their motivation is is personal. It's not because somebody's telling me, but it's because I know I need to do it and it's going to help me in my life.
1: I think it's like you know we we relate spiritual exercise a lot to physical exercise when we're talking about this kind of thing. I think when we have a, a personal reason to physically exercise, we're more likely to do it than if somebody's you know screaming at us to do it It, and there's more result when we do it because we want to. I don't think spiritual exercise is much different from that.
0: That's a big aha moment for us as adults because what's so great about this research is that it does point out the similarities but also the differences in where we're off and what we're perceiving that students are thinking or or what their beliefs or behaviors are. All right last question we asked him about the Bible itself was if you don't read the Bible as often as you'd like, or you don't read it at all. What's the number one reason?
1: It's the same number one reason that it's been for a a little while, and that's, I don't know where to start. Almost 35% of students said, I don't read the Bible because I don't know where to start. That was um, first, second was I don't have enough time, almost 34%. And adults have a good pulse on this because, I mean, we even talked about this in the last episode, those numbers are consistent with what adults are saying about reading the Bible. I don't have enough time and I don't know where to start are the top two reasons. Um, And I would like to see this generation grow up to be adults and see that completely change, you know, or those numbers be a lot lower and to not have it continue to go from students to adults and be the same exact reasons.
0: Yeah, I I look at the don't have time and to me that's a, it's not, it sounds kind of weird, but it's not really as valid of a reason, you know, it's, it's a priority to me. You know, you, whatever is valuable to you is what you have time for. I we, even we look at that.
2: these stats and, you know, I don't think it's important and I don't see how it relates to my life. Those are importance and relevance. And those numbers are less than 3% and less than 4%. So go again, going back to the importance of it and how it relates to their life, it's not, they're not reading it because they don't think it is. That's a very tiny number. So leverage the large numbers of showing them where they can start and how they can prioritize it in their schedule
0: yeah it's it's really helping them understand internally why is this important for you why should it matter why should it be important in your daily routine and then let's give them the tools to start off and say when we give the bible in physical form to a student it's similar to handing them a large scientific textbook and saying read this it'll change your life you know, it's it's got 831 chapters in it, uh, and actually, the Bible, if I believe, if my memory is right, I think the Bible is 1189 chapters. So, here's 11. Here's a here's a, a volume of information with 1189 chapters, parts, sections, however you want to call it. 66 books from different cultures, from a different era, and this will change your life. It's it can be overwhelming and We've all known it and experienced it and seen it, that the word of God on its own has the power to change lives and we need to trust it. It stood the test of time, but we do have to help people get started. It's similar to a lot of other things. How do I, you know, how do I run a marathon? That can be overwhelming until someone sits down and says all right, here's a plan. Here's a way to do it. Here's, you know, you got to be consistent. So we're going to get you started. And you start small. You don't go out and run 20 miles in your first day if you've never run before. And that's that's really important in this context for us working with students is how do we just get them on the path to get going, to get started. And Lindsay, you've you've talked about, you've thrown around some stats about even, even if you get a student to read like once a week, and that's really open minds. Talk about that because I think that's a it's a great way of looking at it.
1: Yeah, we were just talking about the way students start reading the Bible, the way they, you know, grow in reading the Bible and what we really try to do here at Never the Same with some of the initiatives that we have with Bible engagement is get students to go one one step further than where they are right now. So as youth pastor might be or you know you listening you might be disappointed because your students are only reading one time a week but if they didn't read at all last year or they just started reading and you know they're reading every week at the end of the year they've read the bible 52 more times than they did the year before and that is huge i mean god can use that in incredible w- even if they read it every other week uh, what's t- what's 52 divided by 2 26 26, wow. 26. 26 math you, I'm you on. math is a uh, is a is a good thing Sitting next to the mic. So just being encouraged by those small steps and recognizing that we all have to start somewhere. Like you said with the marathon thing, we have to start by running a mile. And before you know it, you're running 26 miles. So uh, remembering that and, and encouraging students to just go one step further than where they are and, and be diligent with it.
0: All right. So in our next segment here, we're going to talk with Lindsay about some specific ways. What are, what are the ways we can do to... To start right now in getting students to engage the Bible. Uh, We've got some interesting solutions and things to, to talk about. All right. We're talking with Lindsay Gorvett about Bible engagement, why it's important. And over the last episode and earlier in this episode, talking about what's the landscape of Bible engagement and what are students saying, what are youth ministry leaders saying. Let's talk about some solutions. You know, Lindsay, you mentioned the number one reason students aren't reading the Bible is they don't know where to start. So what are ways that we can combat that head on?
1: Something that we do at Never the Same, and really what my main role is here, is to oversee the system that we have called Soul Exercises, and what Soul Exercises does is it equips churches to engage students in the Bible and in spiritual disciplines. Um, It's a system that people, youth groups, can use in their large group ministry, but really what it does is it gives students a tool and it gives them a pathway to read through the Bible in four years and talk about it along the way, which really solidifies what they're learning.
0: And Soul Exercises is, there's been a few different iterations of it. It really started with something I mentioned way back, about 20 years ago, when it just became a passion in our youth ministry to get students reading the Bible. And we've seen it happen consistently over the years. You're really leading the way with this in a world where there's so many resources. um, Bible engagement is a different animal, and this is a different kind of resource. So it really isn't in the same category as curriculum. Why is soul exercise different than other things?
1: The way that it, separates itself from a devotional or a Bible study, what we really try and do is we try and connect it to the large group or the, the large ministry of the youth group at your church. So it's not something you're doing by yourself. If you have a question, you have no one to talk to. If you forget, you have no one to answer to. It really creates this community focus of I'm going to read this during the week and then I'm going to talk about it with my small group and maybe even hear my pastor speak about it. So it hits every sense when you think about I'm I'm processing it, and I'm reading it with my eyes. I'm listening about it with my ears, and then I'm speaking about it with my small group. When you leave that week and you put that topic or that you know person of the Bible that you're learning about behind, and you move on to the next, you really have this complete learning of it from every sense, and so there's a, a greater chance that it's going to stick with you.
0: I think there's something about that we've learned and are continuing to learn about the tangibility of the resource, the Bible itself, the paper the book, the, the feel of, of having that in your hand. And I know when I jumped back into uh, taking the lead in our youth ministry a couple years ago at our church and one of the things we did was no more Bible on the screens. We're going to put a Bible on every chair when students come in and we're going to give them time to open it up, to find it, to get to it. Middle school and high school, we just kind of made that commitment. We are finding that in in what I've talked with students about, 90% of them prefer a paper Bible. So we're seeing um, we're seeing a shift back towards that. While the digital has its place for sure, digital just from students' voices says it, it's just too much distraction. They're they're getting you know notifications on their phone every minute or less. You know, so um, so this resource is different in that it's getting students to read the Bible. What's that look like from a content basis? I mean, that's that's a little different too because there's a lot of content that's being produced and that has been produced. This is different when it comes to the content and the small group experience.
1: When we created it or when you created it and then I came along and I thought it was a really unique aspect of Don't Climb Alone Now Soul Exercises Uh, is that there is no small group content aside from the questions that students are reading and answering based on scripture throughout the week. That includes the content for small group leaders. So small group leaders aren't receiving some separate uh, set of questions. Uh, They do receive content to kind of help them along with it, but they're not getting anything that isn't just, hey, read the Bible with your students and then go and talk about it in small group. So there's no room for, I can just show up 10 minutes before youth group and kind of wing it and and use these questions that my youth pastor sent me. It's I'm, I'm held accountable too. And that's one of the, the coolest uh, side things that we've heard from youth pastors is my, my small group leaders are being discipled, which is a huge focus for youth pastors right now. It seems to be a, ch- a thing where youth pastors are, how do I pour into my small group leaders? How I, How do I disciple my small group leaders so that they can in turn disciple students? Well, how about, Kill two birds with one stone and give them both the Bible to read and watch what happens. I think you'll be kind of surprised by it.
0: When I was uh, working with students and using this resource, I had my expectations for my adults and students are, were really simple. It's kind of three things I ask of them. Number one is that they were engaged in the Bible on a daily basis and we gave them the plan. It was really simple. Here's what you need to commit to if you're going to be a leader. Number two, um, you need to be there 15 minutes early and stay 15 minutes late. To our youth group whatever program you're involved in and the last one was spend a half hour a week outside of your ministry here connecting with other students you know and and what i found is just what you said over the years that provided such a strong core with our when our student leaders and our adult leaders were when i knew they're reading the bible and they're holding each other accountable i didn't have to look over their shoulders that wasn't my job my job was to say this is the expectation up front, and that really changed the, the dynamic of things. But um, we've seen that work, and we've seen it um, continue to grow. But we talked a little bit earlier about trusting the Bible. This could be a big leap for adults when they're thinking about, oh, man, I'm not giving content to my leaders. Are, I mean, you're in the trenches with, with volunteers and people doing this. Is it working in the small group context to not have not, not as much of a teaching perspective but more of a discussion perspective is it working
1: yes and it's a little bit of what we talked about in the last episode where we talked a lot about culture shift this is also an area where there's a culture shift we're not just asking students to change how they feel about the bible and what they expect of youth group we're asking leaders to do the same thing so you know to expect a little bit of what am i supposed to talk about is a little bit natural but Man, what an ownership opportunity that they get to have. And as a pastor, I mean, you're obviously still available if they have questions. Like I don't think you just threw them out and said, Okay, I'm never helping you or talking to you again. But uh what does it mean to be a spiritual leader for these students and what is it what does it mean to also be a leader while at the same time being on the same level as them? Because I've read the same things you've read. When you walk into a small group, you can say, "I've read the same things you've read." Here's some questions I have. Let's talk about this together. Let me tell you my experience. You tell me your experience, and then let's meet in the middle on you know what we think about this. I think that's there's some really cool opportunities for um, for growth there.
2: One aspect of the Soul Exercise Plan is it has four years to it right you have enough books that guides a youth ministry or a student through four years of content and it goes back to what we've talked about in the past in the last episode where it's about the culture and we've had youth pastors youth leaders try it out for six weeks two months and they're like oh, they're not really into it and we've talked about how it can take years to shift a culture and Soul Exercises provides the number of volumes of content to guide you and the other aspect of the number of books and volumes is the on-ramp. So when a, a student's like I don't know where to start in reading the Bible, they can they can join a group 6 weeks in and you're starting a new new book and it's another on-ramp throughout those 4 years. And so I don't know if you want to talk more about the uniqueness of Soul Exercises in that aspect of the year plan.
1: What we like to tell people is that at the end of those four years, so after they've gone through the entire system of soul exercises, they will have read through every major theme in the Bible uh, they will have learned about every major event or story that happened in the Bible and they will have talked through and learned about every major person or group of people in the Bible. So really you get to touch every uh, area of scripture and learn about the whole Bible from start to finish. Um, and and like you said, there's on-ramp opportunities because it's not just starting at Genesis and ending at Revelation. We get to bounce around a little bit and, and learn from the Old Testament, the New Testament, and every six weeks we learn about a new theme, a new story, or a new person. So if you you have a student that, you know, fell off in week two of the first guide, they're not shot for the next four years. They get to jump right back in after six weeks. And um, it helps students to not feel discouraged. It helps them to not back out completely. And it gives them an opportunity to, to jump back in.
0: We're coming up on a, on a new season here. If you're listening to this when this was released, we're coming up on a new year. And a lot of times it's a time for integration or change. Where can people learn more? about how, you know, using this to engage their students into the Bible?
1: If anybody wants to find out more, they can go to our website, soulexercises.com. Send us a message on Facebook, Soul Exercises, or they can email me directly, lindsay at neverthesame.org, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y at neverthesame.org. And on the website, if you go to the website, you can get a free sample of the Soul Exercises content too. So you'll see the button right there. Click it, put your email in, and you'll get it for free.
0: Well, we're glad you're with us and thanks for your passion Thank we you. we do see the tide turning with students and Bible engagement and I think it's up to us as youth workers to help guide students in this and to help parents understand why this is important and how to integrate you said it earlier it's a discipline and that word isn't sometimes a word that we like to hear because you know no one wants to be disciplined but having a discipline And being consistent, even if it's small, makes a big difference long term. So thanks for all your great work, Lindsay, and what you're doing.
1: Thank you. The Thought
2: Factory podcast is brought to you by Never the Same, whose vision is to see new generations transformed in Christ to further the kingdom of God. Learn more at neverthesame.org.